Our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, the parable of the merciful servant. Hear these words of scripture. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had, been ha what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Matt. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and joyful to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today we conclude our series called The Struggle is Real. Conflict and disagreements are an everyday part of our lives, whether it's with family and friends, or with coworkers, or those people on the internet. And most of the people, most of us, struggle with working through conflict in a positive and in a healthy way. And so this worship series is called The Struggle is Real because the struggle is real to be in community and to have healthy conversations with one another. And so we've been focusing on this chapter 18 of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus gives his disciples and us very practical instructions for how to live in community and how to communicate with one another. And Jesus in chapter 18 outlines these four steps. The first one is check yourself. Don't focus on the other person and what they've done, but first look to yourself. Turn inward and ask, is there something in me that needs to be worked out? How am I contributing to this conflict? And then the second one, the second step is to look at the other person with God's eyes. When God looks at us, God sees our entire self. And so when we look at that person that we're arguing with, are we seeing their whole self? Or are we just looking at them as that person who wronged us? 
open up your gaze when looking at the person and, and try to see what, might be el el what else might be going on in their lives. Are they wounded in some way? What are they struggling with? How is that contributing to what you're working on them with? And it doesn't excuse what they have done or what they are doing, but it's a way that we can come to the person with compassion and grace and God's mercy. Because resolving conflict isn't about winning. It's about creating and maintaining a healthy relationship with someone. And then the third one, the third step that Jesus outlines is to go to the person that you're upset with and have a conversation. That direct communication is key. That allows us to, ha to clear up any of misinformation or mis that we might have about what's going on. It gives us an opportunity to apologize and to make amends if we can. But because life is never that easy, and we can't go and resolve a conflict with one conversation all the time, sometimes we need to bring in that third party. That third party that helps both of us be accountable and honest to what's really going on, rather than going off on all of those side tangents. And then somebody, and then sometimes I mean, sometimes a relationship just, it can't be repaired. You've done all you can, you've gone through the steps, and you just can't come to a resolution. And so you mourn the loss of that friendship and still look at the people, look at that person with God's eyes as they are a beloved child of God. Those are the first three steps. To check yourself, to look at them, look at the other person with God's eyes, and then go to them and have that conversation. And then the fourth and final step that Jesus outlines is forgiveness. No matter what the outcome of those first three steps are, whether you have made amends with the person or you just still can't see eye to eye, the final step is to forgive them. When our first child, Jordan, was little, we taught him that if, if somebody hurt him or, or hurt his feelings, not to say, it's okay. Instead, we taught him to say, I forgive you. And so from a young age, we worked to teach him, age appropriately, what forgiveness was. And so the first thing, and I think the most important thing that we had to teach Jordan was that it's okay and I forgive you are two very different things. They're not the same. It's okay means that you're okay <laughs> with what the other person did. You're not bothered by it. But if the other person wronged you and you're upset, then you are bothered by what happened. You are not Okay, it's not okay what they did. I forgive you, on the other hand. That means I know what you did. It's not okay. But I recognize that you are more than that one thing. And I don't want to hold us captive to that thing 
anymore. I can heal myself, forgiveness says, and I don't need anything from you. That's how Sarah Montana describes forgiveness in her TED Talk entitled, Why Forgiveness is Worth It. And if you have 15 minutes, just go and listen to it. It's really, it's, it was the bonus material for the podcast class this week, and it is just the best. But she begins... Sarah Montana's description of forgiveness begins, I know what you did, and it's not okay. But I recognize that you are more than that. Those are the first two steps that Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 18. Look inward. I know what you did. I know what I am feeling, and I am not feeling okay. And then look at the other person with God's eyes. But I recognize that you are more than that. And I don't want to hold us captive to this thing anymore because we are more than that. This work of forgiveness, it's not, it's not separate. It's not like we do these three things and then we do the work of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the continuation of this whole process. And I say a continuation and not a conclusion because forgiveness takes work and it happens again and again and again and again. Even with that same one situation, it takes time and time and time again. And then Sarah's description goes on, I can heal myself and I don't need anything from you because real forgiveness has to let go of all expectations. You can't expect a certain outcome from the other person when you go to them and you have this conversation or when you want to forgive them. You can't expect a reply or a response. It's not, I forgive you if you say you're sorry or I forgive you if you serve your time and you feel bad. It's not, I forgive you if you do all of these things for me, then I'll forgive you. Because most of the work of forgiveness, it doesn't have to do with that other person. It has to do with us and our own inner work, the hard work of healing and letting go of all of the grief and the pain and the anger and the trauma, all of it. It's letting go of all of it. And sometimes you try to forgive too soon. You haven't done the work of really working through everything. And so you want to say you're sorry, and you just end up making a mess of it. It doesn't actually work through. Sometimes it takes time to work through the hurt, most of the time, I should say. It takes time to work through all of that hurt and what you're thinking about and going to the person and processing and then going to the person again and working through your own things and praying with God 
and talking with other people and working through all of this again and again and again. Sometimes it's too soon to forgive. And so we take that time and then we do the work and we can work to forgive, but it takes the work. It doesn't come off easily. It cannot be overcome just with one fell swoop. But we work on it together. And we work on it in ourselves. Sometimes it's too soon to forgive, but there is, it's never too late to forgive. Because forgiveness, as, as Sarah puts it, forgiveness is designed to set you free. And it's never too late to be free of all of that baggage and that hurt and that harm and that trauma. To release that into God's hands, into the world, and be your full self. That's what forgiveness is. And so then how many times are we supposed to do this? Work on and do all of this hard work of forgiving. I could probably work on it more, but then it would jiggle and then I would get distracted and focus on that rather than talking to you all. So how many times are we supposed to do this? This hard work of forgiveness. And that's what Peter asks in G Jesus in today's scripture. And Peter says, okay, how about seven times, Jesus? Can I forgive the person seven times? That's a lot of times. I'm not asking for anything in return, but I'm going to forgive them seven times. After that, I'm done. And Jesus responds, no, that's not enough. Not seven times, but 77 times. And this isn't 77 as in 70 plus 7. But it's 77, 77 times, as in 70 times 7. This is math. Ooh, I can put it on my chalkboard. Look at that. Wait, it's not 70 plus 7, right, equals 77. I'm going to put it down here. It's 70 times Seven. What's that equal? I don't know what she said, but it's, I think you said it's 490. And that, yes, so Jesus says, forgive them 490 times. And that's not just some random number. It's to say, forgive them a lot, again and again and again. Not for 490 times total over your life, you're going to forgive people 490 times. And once you get to the end of that, you're done. No, it's that one person, forgive them again and again and again and again. And so then to, to explain his point, to make his point, Jesus tells this parable. And he says, a king goes to settle his accounts with his servants. And the one servant owed him 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. That was the, the coin. A talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So 20 years of wages was one talent. So the man owes the king 200,000 years of wages. That's what the man owes his king. 
And so essentially, it's this incalculable amount. It's just this amount that is too much to overcome. He can never in his entire life pay back that debt. And so the king orders the man, his wife, his children, everything that the man has to be sold to repay that insurmountable debt, trying at least to recoup a little bit of the money, right? But the servant, he falls on his knees and he begs the king, please have pity on me. And so the king relinquishes and he forgives all of the man's debt. So the man, who's free because of this king's generosity and mercy in that moment, he leaves the palace. And as he's leaving, he sees a fellow servant. And that man owed him a hundred silver coins. And this isn't just a little amount of money. This is not insignificant. It's about a hundred days wages. So it's like a third of their yearly salary, right? That's how much this guy owes him. And so the man grabs the servant and, the servant, and he demands, you have to pay me back immediately what you owe me. And so the, the servant, he falls to his knees and he says, please, please have mercy on me. And even though he falls to his knees and he begs, the man throws him in prison until he can pay the debt. So the other servants see all of this. They see him be forgiven and then go and then yell and demand the debt be paid from the other one. And so they go and they tell the king. And the king hears about this and he calls the servant and he says, excuse me, sir. I canceled your debt because you begged me. And now someone asks you for mercy and you refuse to give it to him? What is this? Shouldn't you have mercy just as on your fellow servant as I have on you? That is the analogy of God's forgiveness in this story. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. This statement is said repeatedly, at least six times throughout the Hebrew Bible, or what we know as the Old Testament. And so we know that it's true. We know that God is gracious and compassionate. God is slow to anger and abounding in love. And when God forgives, it's not the work that we have to put in. But God simply wipes the slate clean. We ask for forgiveness. God forgives. Wiping the slate clean as if it never existed at all. That's how God forgives. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so I hear, I hear you saying in your brain, thinking, thinking and yelling at me, well, that's fine, but I'm not God. I'm a human. I hear you saying it. It's in your head. You're saying it. And you're saying, 
I don't have that much forgiveness. I can't do that, Pastor Heidi. You're saying it, aren't you? You're saying it. No, Tracy's not saying it. She's not admitting it. No. No, we can't do that. That's too hard. Well, yes, you're, you're right. Um, I do, I, I confirm that you are not God. I'm sorry. You're not God. And forgiveness, it can be messy, and it can be hard, and it can be time-consuming, and it's not as easy as wiping it all clean. We have to scrub at it. We have to do the work. But if God has, has forgiven us this incalculable amount, don't we have enough to share just a little bit? Forgiveness means to truly let go of the hurt that someone has caused us and to step out of that pain. It's not just speaking the words, because saying I'm sorry doesn't actually, or saying I forgive you doesn't actually mean that you forgive the person. It's more than that. It's actually letting go of the situation and not allowing you, it to have any control over you anymore. And it doesn't mean that you let the hurt happen over and over and over again. That's not forgiveness. It does mean, though, that you'll lay it down. And because in that process of forgiveness, you learn something about yourself and about the other person you're with. Now, each week, we have been thinking about someone, someone who has wronged us. A, a person that we've had an argument with or some sort of conflict. And so I want you to think about that person. Think about a person that you have been in conflict with, a person that you need to work through this messy work of forgiveness. And I want you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And if you'd like, put your hand on your heart. And feel the hurt. Acknowledge the pain that is living in there. Hold it in your hand. The hurt, the pain, the trauma and everything that goes with it. And if you're ready, release it and hand it over to God. Release your grip from all of the pain and the hurt as it releases its gri grip on you. And if you're not ready to hand it over, that's fine. It's not time yet. Instead, invite God to hold the hurt and the pain with you. Oh God, you know it's not easy for us to live lives of forgiving love each and every day, again and again and again. You know the pain, the anguish, the grief that we feel within us deep in our souls and in our bones. God, it's not easy to work through. 
yet we know that you are with us each and every step of the way. God, give us your strength, your wisdom, your patience, and your courage to forgive as we are confident you have forgiven us again and again and again. Hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. When we come to Christ's table, we recognize and we experience God's forgiving love. When we come to Christ's table, we acknowledge that we are not whole and that we need God's grace to fill us up, that we need forgiving. And we come knowing, confident, that, we, that that grace, that forgiveness is offered freely and without price. We come knowing that Christ, on that night before he gave himself up for us, he took the bread from his table and he gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread and he told his disciples, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then when supper was over, he took the cup from the table. And again, he gave thanks to God. And he told his disciples, drink of this. Each one of you do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of my new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Oh God, we pray that you might pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ so that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Oh God, by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all of the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we get to feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. This is Christ's table, and so all are welcome to come and to receive God's grace. It doesn't matter if this is your first time here or your thousandth time here. If you want to receive God's love, come. This table is for you. There is a seat for you here. I invite you to take a cup of bread and a cup of juice. Receive God's grace, and then you can place your used cups on the communion rail on either side. It is gluten-free. It is alcohol-free. I almost said communion-free again. It's not communion-free. It's communion-full. So let us come. Let us celebrate God's love for us. I invite the communion stewards to come forward.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks. Thank you for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. God, we know that we have been forgiven. And we pray that you will give us your strength of your spirit to go into your world. A world that needs your forgiving and healing touch. May we be your your guardians of peace and hope to others, sharing your love with each and every person that we meet. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Amen. And I invite, as we prepare for a time of praying with one another and for one another, I invite the choir to come forward and to share with us in song. And those who are joining us online, I invite you to use prayer at brexelumc.com. You can use the comments on Facebook, or you can use um, the text number to share and participate with our time of prayer.
a few prayers that have come in. Linda asked for prayers for, of comfort for Bev and her sister Marilyn. Michael asked for prayers for those who are suffering with anxiety daily. Shelly asked for prayers for Lillian who is fighting an infection and for Marion who had a stroke in her eye and prayers for Taylor's walk this weekend. And Nancy Knowlton asked for prayers of joy and thank you to the awesome congregation for um, filling the penny jar and embracing the penny jar project um, of the least coin. And thanks to Kim Petru who filled the jar in one fell swoop. And Kim and Matt asked for prayers of healing for Uncle Julian who fell off a ladder. And Taylor asked for prayers for Carol as she continues to heal and continue prayers for Laverne and Jerry and for family and friends who are seeking God and God's love. And also uh, prayers of joy for Alex and Jessica Vistardis. Uh, they welcomed Nikolai Vistardis, the 11th grand Vistardis grandchild into the world. And also prayers for any um, excitement and anxiety and anticipation. Um, we have two weddings on Saturday. We have a wedding here. Monica Kotnik is getting married here. And um, also uh, Michaela is getting married as well on Saturday. So it is a day of um, excitement and anticipation. And Michaela just, like, I'm looking at her and she's like, I just want to get married. So it's very fun. So um, I just love that we can come together and we can pray and celebrate with one another. And today I'd like to share this Celtic prayer of thanksgiving that was written by J. Philip Newell. Let us pray. O oh God, for the first showings of the morning light and the emerging outline of the day, thanks be to you. For earth's colors drawn forth by the sun, its brilliance piercing clouds of darkness and shimmering through leaves and flowing waters, thanks be to you. Show me this day, O Lord, amidst life's dark streaks of wrong and suffering, the light that endures in every person. Dispel the confusions that cling close to my soul 
so that I may see with eyes washed by your grace, that I may see myself and all people with eyes cleansed by the freshness of the new day's light. O God, with deep gratitude for your abounding love and with true humility, knowing that we are your beloved children, we pray the words Jesus taught so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. 